bucket. I have a question for you. What are you expecting? What are you expecting? The third chapter of Acts, verse 2. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried to the gate of the temple, which they call beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. And into the temple. And who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked them for alms. And fixing his eyes on them, with John, Peter looked at us, said, look at us. What was he expecting? Alms. Before I go any further, I have a question. How many times do you think Peter and John passed this man? We don't know. We, we really don't know. Let's say four times a week. Four times a week he stuck out his hand and he asked for alms. Who's seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms in verse 4, and fixing his eyes on them with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive. Say expecting. expecting. So I have a question. What are you expecting? Something from them. And Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. And what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankles received strength. He began leaping, stood up, walked, entered the temple with them. Walking what? And leaping what? And praising God. Now, you wonder what the bucket is? Anybody wonder? Say yes. Because of time, I can't do this. Say this is full of water. Say water is faith. Okay. Is this your amount of faith? No. What are you expecting? Is this your amount of faith? What are you expecting? Oh, you are so good. Is this your amount of faith? That's two cups, one pint. Any takers? You'll take it home. I stole this from my wife. Well, if you stop there, too bad for you. How about this? Is this your amount of faith? You want that one? Okay, you hold that one. Sorry to do that to you. Is this your amount of faith? Okay, Andrew, you want to hold this one? Sorry to do that to you. Because now I want you to look and see. Because behind me just a moment ago when those curtains were open, there's a bigger container of faith water. Who wants 
watch that one? All right, I sucked you in. Because three or four miles down the road is Lake St. Clair. Now, who wants that one? Who wants that amount of faith? Well, quit stopping there because just north is Lake Huron and just south is Lake Gary. Now, who wants those? Now, don't stop there because a few hundred miles east is the Atlantic Ocean. Which ties into another ocean. Which ties into another one and circles the world. I ask you this morning, what is the amount of faith you want to walk in? Don't be limited by what you see. Begin to increase your belief. Begin to increase your faith. This is what the Lord told me as I was putting this together. He sat there every day expecting what? Alms. Expecting pennies. My wife used to work downtown. There was a lady who stood on the corner. And every day she'd hold her hand and say, got a quarter? Got a quarter? Got a quarter? And she told me, if you put a nickel in her hand, you know what she did? She threw it back at you. If you put a dime in her hand, you know what she did? She threw it back at you. Why? She was expecting a quarter. Well, if I could get a quarter, I'm going to ask if they have a dollar. If I would get a dollar, I'm asking if they have a five or a ten or a twenty. The Lord told me to tell you this. Because this is what he told me. Allow your vision to increase. Quit looking through these eyes. I sucked you in good showing you all those little things. Right? You didn't see the baptistry, did you? No, because I brought you over here. This is what the enemy does. He, you, you, he says, here, you can have this. When really God wanted to give you this. He stops us from receiving. We have to stop looking through these eyes and begin to look through the eyes of the Spirit. When we will shut these eyes and allow the spirit man to lead us, our vision will increase. And when our vision increases, our trust will increase. And when our trust increases, our faith increases. But there's one more step. Because with faith, you have to have belief. Allow your vision to change. We went to turn Pam's car in a few weeks ago. And I have said for a couple of years, when they talk about coming out with a new Ranger, I'm buying a new Ranger. All I heard was, they're too much, they're too much, they're too much, they're too much. We went on the lot. As soon as we walked onto the lot, I looked and there sat a, a Ranger. And I said to my wife, I said, that's mine. I'm buying that. My salesman wanted to push me to an F-150. His vision was much bigger than mine. My wallet was not that large. But I knew in my spirit, the Lord told me, you'll not pay more than this amount per month. I knew that was my ranger. I saw it. First thing. We did the paperwork on the F-150 way too much. I had to borrow Pastor Simon's paycheck. 
You could eat scraps. <laughs> then he came back with the, F, with the ranger. And he gave me a payment amount. I said, no, too much. I'm not paying that. I went to work Thursday night. And I'm at work and I'm praying. I said, Lord, if it's time not to be in the truck, because I don't do as much side work as I used to, I'll drive a car. And I no more got that piled out of me. And the Holy Spirit said, did I tell you a truck? The man went into the office Friday morning, called me back, came in $2 under the top end that I would pay. And then the Lord said, here, son, let me bless you more. They sent a letter. They took an additional $10 a month off of that. See, I almost lost the vision. I almost gave in to what the enemy wanted. If you'll increase your vision, you'll walk out with more than a bucket. You'll walk out with more than the baptistry. You'll walk out with more than Lake St. Clair. You'll walk out with more than the Atlantic and Pacific Ocean combined. You'll walk out with the grace of God upon you. And there ain't no touching that. The enemy cannot take that. So increase your face. I have one more question for you. What are you by live stream, those sitting here, what are you expecting? Allow your vision to shut the physical eyes and open the spiritual eyes in the second half of this year and watch what God does because he's about to open the floodgates of heaven. Amen. I am expecting more. More, 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 more of you, Lord. Hallelujah. So we salute our uh, spiritual father in the house today. Amen. It is just so awesome to even set our physical eyes up on him. And we salute our papa, our daddy, God. I said to my father this morning, I said, God, you are the most perfect father that I know. You are the only to be honest, he's the only perfect, he's the perfect father that's perfect in all his ways. What an awesome God that we serve on today. So we salute those that's watching by live stream. We salute the fathers. We salute our fathers. We have been uh, interceding uh, particularly uh, for our fathers in our 4 a.m. prayer. Amen. We war for our fathers. We intercede and we pray for them because as women, we really don't know the, the task, the everything that our fathers deal with. Amen. So we as women, we have to stand in the gap and we have to intercede that they become the best father that the father would have them to be. Amen. So I salute our father. So amen. Dr. Scott, thank you for the word. Hallelujah. So we're going to go to the book of Jeremiah and we're going to see what the Lord has to say. I just love God because he always ties our words up. So I just get excited when I hear the word of the Lord that comes before me and after me. That it's, it, it's always confirming. So let's look at the word of the Lord on today according to the prophet Jeremiah. 
And uh, we're going to look at Jeremiah, the first chapter. Uh, we're going to start at verse four and read through verse uh, 10. And then we might have a little bit of other ones at the end. But let's look at Jeremiah, the first chapter, starting at the fourth word, fourth verse. And it reads, then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, Our Lord God, behold, I cannot, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever... I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, and to destroy, and to throw down, to build, and to plant. So just for a moment, um, I would just like to share with you some of the words that the Lord shared with me concerning the prophet Jeremiah. So if I had a title, uh, I wanted to really focus on verse 10. And it says, see, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdom to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down. But that last part, it says to build and to plant. So Jeremiah was formed on purpose. Formed on purpose. So you have to know that you might not be a prophet but you are prophetic. So each and every one of us are prophetic. That means that we have the ability to speak the word of the Lord. So here we see Jeremiah, he was formed on purpose. And guess what? Likewise, you and me, we were formed on purpose. So each and every one of us have a purpose. So don't ever allow the enemy to tell you that you don't have a purpose because you have a purpose. The New Living Translation reads, today I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. So the Lord had appointed Jeremiah to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Some of you must uproot and tear down. So some of us, that's our purpose. That's our job. Some of us, we were born on purpose to uproot and to tear down. Now some of us was born to destroy and to overthrow. But then some of us were built, were, were born to build up and to plant. I believe in this season that we're in, out of everything that we're seeing going on, we would probably say or look and see, as Dr. Scott said, with our natural eyes, and we would probably say, oh, this is not a good season to plant. 
This is not a good season to build because of everything that's going on. But the Lord said, don't look at the physical circumstances and situation, but listen to what I am saying. And I am saying, even out of chaos, even out of confusion, even out of pandemic, even out of protest, even out of riot, even out of whatever is going on, yes, I call some to uproot. Yes, I do. I call some to overthrow, but I have also planted those in the kingdom of God to say, now it's time to build. Now it's time to plant. Now it's time to do my kingdom assignment on purpose. I'm about building. I love to build. So when we enter into this new era, we entered, you all know that we entered into a new era. Here we see Jeremiah. The prophet had entered into a new era. He had entered into a new dispensation of time. And so when you look at the whole entire book of Jeremiah, we call him the weeping prophet. He was always interceding on behalf of the people. He was always, I don't care where he went, when I looked through the whole entire 52 chapters. And from chapter 1 to chapter 52, you keep hearing, and the word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. And the word of the Lord said this. And the word of the Lord. God is speaking to the prophet. But he's also speaking to you and me. Every day the Lord is speaking. So we open up our ears to be able to spiritually hear what is the Lord saying. So we have had word after word after word. The word of the Lord was following. The word of the Lord came in January. The Lord, word of the Lord came in February, March. And when, the, when things began to really shift and turn in March, the word of the Lord had already came. And so we have to know and be able to stand what is the word of the Lord. Regardless of pandemic, Regardless of coronavirus, what is the word of the Lord? God said, I'm, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm always going to be with you. The word of the Lord said, by my stripes, you are already healed. So even with everything that's going on, we have to be able to stand on what? The word of the Lord. We have to be able to declare and decree. This is the year for us to declare. This is the year for us to decree. What are we declaring? What are we decreeing? The word of the Lord. We have to do that. If you look at Jeremiah 31 and 28, it says, Jeremiah the prophet again says, In the past, I deliberately uprooted and tore down this nation. I overthrew it, destroyed it, and brought disaster upon it. But in the future, I will just as deliberately plan it and build it. I, the Lord, have spoken. 
God is about to do some deliberate building. God is about to do some deliberate planting. When we look at Jeremiah's life, Jeremiah was a revolutionist. When you look at his life. He was trying to revolve the nation to turn it around and start it in a different direction. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing. You see all the uprooting? You see everything that's going on? He said, I'm just shifting and I'm turning the nations, not the nation, but the nations. I am turning the nations back to my heart. Jeremiah was a revolutionist and you need to be a revolutionist. You need to declare the word of the Lord. You need to speak the word of the Lord. He never changed Israel in one sense, but he was very successful in delivering the message. We have to be successful in delivering the message. We saw that today when the message was delivered, a soul was saved. Jeremiah broke the system and he followed God. What are we going to root out? All unnecessary trash, all unnecessary garbage, all unnecessary things that block and stop the movement of God. God said create. God wants us to be able to say, like David said, create in me a clean heart. We need to pray that America have a new heart. A heart that will love. A heart that will forgive. That's what turns America back to God. Get rid of the false. Overthrow false gods. Root out the false. Before you can plant and build anything new, you got to get rid of the old. You got to turn systems and governments around so that you can rebuild. Jeremiah was a game changer, appointed to shift the climate of his day. We're in the second half of the year. I'm not a sports person, but I know they have halftime. <laughs> I know that, you know, and I know they have different quarters and different things like that. But sometimes that that halftime, it can become critical. It, it can become critical. It can, it can become the game changer. It, it, it can become the game changer that really shifts the game. The coach, Jesus Christ, brings the team together and he said, oh, this, I, I'm about to change the game. I, I, I'm about to even change the rules. I'm about to do some things and I'm going to upset the entire nations and I'm going to shift the nation back into alignment. I, I'm just saying the prophet has the ability to change the atmosphere. We are atmosphere changers. Are you changing your atmosphere? Are you, are you literally changing your atmosphere? We are atmosphere changers wherever we at. Be a game changer. Be a game changer. Every prophetic word contains the power to shift. Every prophetic word 
contains the power to shift. Every prophetic leader has the potential to be a part of cultural shifting plans. The prophetic is full of life and wisdom and God. It is the mind of God revealed. I was reading a book uh, by Apostle Ryan Lestrange, and I got that from him. And he was talking about Samuel being a game changer. But when you look throughout the Bible, you can see all major and minor prophets, all of them were game changers. Every person in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation that God used, they came in and they changed the game. They, they really did. Jesus, <laughs> when you look at Jesus' life, Jesus was a game changer. <laughs> Jesus came in and changed the entire game. He said the enemy comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. But I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. He said, I'm the game changer that's taking the death, the sting out of death. I'm the game changer. I am literally changing the entire game of life. I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus was a shifter in his time and in his season. And he said, I'm come, I come to shift the mindset of my people. I come to shift the heart of my people. I come to shift everything inside of my people to bring them back to God. I don't know about you, but I thank God that he changed my life. That he was the game changer. He, he was. He was the game changer in my life. He literally changed my life. And so when I look back over my life, I can see that God has called me to be a game changer. And I believe that God has called each and every one of you in your own purpose, in your own right, to be a game changer. If you continue to read Jeremiah, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah and he said, now what do you see? He came back and he said, now what do you see? God is shifting and God is changing our heart and our eyesight. So allow the Lord to continue to be the game changer in your life. God bless you. Praise the Lord, everybody. That was good stuff, wasn't it? Amen. Dr. Scott, I brought some uh, faith up here with me. That's not much, but a little dab will do you. Amen. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there, and uh, thank you for your faithfulness, your character, and your integrity. And if you don't have those things, today is the day to turn over a new leaf and start fresh today. Amen? Uh, thank you, Dad, Dr. Jerry Piscopo, for being a role model for us men in the house, for taking care of your children, and for taking care of Mom. 
Amen. And, uh, and thank you also for this opportunity to share today in front of this wonderful, amazing congregation. I certainly love you guys. A couple of weeks ago, Gina and I were at my sister's house having dinner, and while she was preparing dinner, a dirty, nasty fly flew into the house and began buzzing around her head and, and flying around the food and just becoming a pest, as flies often do. Somebody get this thing, my sister yelled. And with a flash, my, uh, my brother-in-law, her husband, jumped up and leaped into action and went after that fly. After several minutes of, or so of swatting into the air, he conquered the fly. By the way, do you know why humans are usually not fast enough to swat a fly? It's because they experience time in an almost matrix way. You'd think that it'd be easy to swat down one, but no. The fly almost always outmaneuvers your attack and escapes living to see another one of its 28 days. Actually... The from the fly's perspective, you quite literally are moving in slow motion. The fact is, humans see about 60 flashes per second, while flies see about 250, a full four times faster than humans. Maybe that's why you feel like a champion when you've conquered the fly. The title of my message this morning is The Fly in the Kitchen. The Fly in the Kitchen. How many knows that flies are usually annoying and often a distraction? If you do, then you also know that many other things can become a distraction. King Solomon, son of King David, learned a great lesson about distractions. But I've often wondered, how could this be because King Solomon was so very wise? In 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 29, God says, God gave Solomon a very great wisdom and understanding and knowledge as vast as the sands of the seashore. In fact, his wisdom exceeded that of all the wise men of the east and the wise men of Egypt. He was wiser than anyone else. Ladies and gentlemen, King Solomon was a very wise man. Even kings from every nation sent their ambassadors to listen to the wisdom of Solomon. And for you note takers, if you want more information on that, 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 3 through 15. Solomon was a very wise man indeed. Solomon loved and feared the Lord, which was very evident in the prayer he prayed in chapter 8. Then Solomon uh, did something that we didn't expect him to do. And, and this is how Solomon became distracted. In 1 Kings chapter 11, it says, now King Solomon loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter. He married women from Moab, 
Moab, Ammon, Edom, Sidon, and from the, among the Hittites. The Lord had clearly instructed the people of Israel, you must not marry them because they will turn your heart, hearts to their gods. Yet Solomon insisted on loving them anyway. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. Oh my goodness. And in fact, they did turn his heart away from the Lord. Verse 4, in Solomon's old age, they turned his heart to worship other gods instead of being completely faithful to the Lord his God and his father, David, had been. In this way, Solomon did what was evil in the Lord's sight and refused to follow the Lord completely as his father had done. How many of us would say that Solomon was a wise man? But how many would say that that wasn't a wise thing to do? King David had also been distracted by the bathing Bathsheba. And he suffered great loss over that, didn't he? But the difference between David and his son Solomon was that David had a repentant heart. And Solomon deliberately disobeyed God. Maybe you've heard this story before, the fighting of two wolves. An old Cherokee Indian is teaching his grandson about life. He says, a fight is going on inside of me, he said to the boy. It's a terrible fight, and it is between two wolves. One is evil. He is angry. He is envy. He is sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, and ego. He continued, the other is good. He is joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. The same fight is going on inside of you. And in every other person, too. The grandson thought about it for a minute, and then he asked his grandfather, which wolf will win? And the old Cherokee simply replied, Whichever one you feed. Listen, men, husbands, and fathers, King Solomon is proof that wisdom alone won't keep us from being distracted. Just like the distraction of the fly in the kitchen, it could be flirting in the workplace. It could be a little sip of some strong drink. It could be clicking on that provocative image on your computer screen or your smartphone. It could be in a place where you shouldn't be or dealing with folks that you shouldn't be dealing with and playing with fire and hoping that you won't get burned. Oh, I know that one sip, hit, or click of the mouse probably won't send us to hell, but just one sip, click, or hit of the mouse, amen, can lead to other sips, hits, and clicks of the mouse. Amen. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that seems right unto man, but the end of the way is death. There's a song by the band Petra that's, it's called, I am available. It says, I am available. I'm available. I'll go when you say go. I'm available. I'm available. I will stop when you say no. My whole life was incomplete till I laid it at your feet. So use me as you will. I am available. Last week, Dr. Simon told us all to do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. Men, husband, fathers, you may feel like Luke Skywalker with his lightsaber battling out with the fly in the kitchen, but don't allow the fly in the kitchen to distract you from what should be most important in your life.
Your friends, your family, your wife, your children, yes, even God needs you today to do the right thing. Don't wait until your sin is exposed as Solomon's father David did. Don't let your sin go too far like David's son Solomon did. Do the right thing now because now is the right thing to do it. And obviously your relationship with Jesus is the most important choice that you will ever make. For he will align all these other things, but he must be first. So the choice is yours to make today. And because this choice has an eternal significance, and this choice will help determine which wolf that you will feed. Don't be distracted today by the fly in the kitchen that takes us off course. And sure, we'll have some victories. Sure, we'll be tempted Sure, we'll be tried, but we're going to make a commitment today to turn over that new leaf and to be the men of integrity and character that God has called us to be. Can I get a witness today? Let me leave you with this. Do you know that as a leader, the most hardest person we have to lead is ourself? And so I'm calling upon all of us today to lead ourselves and allow the Holy Spirit to lead us in that way. Let's pray a prayer of repentance today. If we failed and we missed the mark, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, this is a come to Father moment. Amen. As we sing today, I run to the Father. Amen. We fall on his grace and his mercy for us because he loves us with an everlasting love. Amen. And and, and like the woman who was caught in adultery, he says, hey, where is your accuser? Neither do I. Come, let's get this stuff worked out and then go and sin no more. Amen. So today, pray after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your salvation. I know that I don't deserve it. But you made a way where there was no way. You paid the price that I could not afford. So today, I receive your gift. And I will use it to bestow upon others the gift you gave me. I will forgive others as you have forgiven me. I will forgive myself. I will forgive my father. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Now, I'm not going to get up here and promise you that I'm going to be quiet and serene. (laughs) I don't think it's in me. I am so grateful to be up here before you today, and um, I'm going to talk to you briefly, and I mean briefly, from the thought pressing into the new normal pressing into the new normal i am so happy today and just really grateful to have our father in the house Uh, i really am i I really am i I really am Uh, amen uh because i get to be with him often and and i I watch him 
I watch him closely, his demeanor, uh, his character, and uh, so inspiring and encouraging to me personally on a lot of levels. And uh, one of them, the scripture comes to mind that uh, you can have 10,000 instructors, teachers in Christ, but you have not many fathers. And I'm grateful today that we have a father in this house. See, because there's a lot of men who don't know how to be fathers and they pretend until they learn what a father is. Um, And uh, being a male, and I ain't going to go too far with that, but being a male does not make you a father. Glory to God. Uh, Just because you have the ability to father uh, doesn't make you a father. And I'm grateful uh, this morning to have a father in this house and Uh, I was raised with uh, a great man uh, as my father, and easily, as I've said many times, uh, the kindest, most generous and uh, compassionate man I've ever known was my dad. But I'm so blessed to be in this house uh, where I have a father who exhibits those same qualities. And uh, I'm thankful, I'm thankful, and today I celebrate. Uh, Dr. Jerry Piscopo, our dad in the house. Hallelujah. Yeah, that was a good place to clap and say amen. And uh, for those of us who work in the office, you know, we watch and seen the things that he goes through. And you're talking about pressing. Uh, amen. Uh, I've seen him press through and press through and press through where I've also seen many give up and quit. I've been around a long time. Um, just nearly 40 years of ministry, and I've seen a lot of people give up and quit in nearly 40 years, but this man of God here. <laughs> Woo! Glory to God. Uh, I thank God for you. All right. I could say much more, but I only have a few minutes left, and uh, I am well aware of time constraints. I don't like them, but I understand. So, um, we're going to get right into it. Hallelujah. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 16, and verse 12 says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, come on, say one thing. One thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Come on and say forget about it. And reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Come on and say, I'm reaching forward. I press. Come on, can you say that with me again? I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us be of the same mind. I press... I'm pressing into the new normal. 
And you know, it's interesting. This has become more than just a catchphrase. I think people are beginning to really uh, grasp the concept, the idea uh, that there really is a new normal. But what amazes me is when I see and hear and listen to folk who really struggle and grasp and fight, and I mean fight, to hold on to what was normal to them, to hold on to what was comfortable to them. Oh, I'm going somewhere with this in just a few minutes. I, I, glory to God, they wrestle and struggle, amen, to what they can identify with and put their hands on and control. But see, the question as we look at pressing and we talk about pressing in, amen, that one of the obstacles that we face is what do you do when situations are beyond your control? Come on, y'all know we struggle when there are things that occur, things that happen, things that go on in our life and in life in general that we have no control over. We struggle when we don't have control. We lose it when we don't have control. We panic when we don't have control. Some folk quit and give up when they don't have control. But I'm here to tell you, I, I, in other words, to remind you that there's going to be many things in life that you won't have control over. But what do you do when you can't control it? What do you do when times are not normal and they are not familiar? You don't understand it. You don't quit. Get it. And it don't make sense to you. Well, I'm here to tell you today. I'm so glad you asked me. Hallelujah. Because one of the things that you can do when things are not normal, when they are not average, when they are not familiar, that that's the time when you got to trust God like you've never trusted him before. You got to believe God like you've never believed him before. And you've got to press, amen, into what is new. Hallelujah. And the Bible told us, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Through this pandemic we've experienced, through the quarantine that we've gone through, through the crisis we've experienced, things have changed. Whether you want them to or not, they have changed. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, get over it. Because it'll never be the same. Come on, your family will never be the same as it was. Hallelujah. Last month, I went and preached the funeral of my cousin in Chicago. And one of the things that I saw that really shook me and amen brought to home how that things have changed and we will be forever affected by them. While I was there, they only allowed 10 people in the chapel. And while the 10 people were in the chapel, there were 100 outside waiting to get in. And they will only let them in two by two. Glory to God. Even funerals and grieving, hallelujah, has changed for this season. It'll never be the same again. The way we worship has changed. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The way we assemble. We sit here today with mask on. Amen. We've got sanitizer all over the building. Hallelujah. We're distancing socially. Hallelujah. Standing apart from each other. But I'm here to tell you, glory to God, that there are some things that will never change. For Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and forevermore that no matter how far you sit upon the Holy Ghost will still 
you fall on you. No matter how much you sanitize, the love of God will always reach you. Amen. No matter how many masks you wear, God yet makes a way out of no way. I wish I would have somebody help me lift your voice and say yes. Press into the new normal. Press into the change. Press into the wisdom of God. Press into the strategies of God. Press into the grace of God. Press into the anointing. Hallelujah. Because even when things have changed in this world, even when they've changed naturally, even when they've changed the system of doing things, God is still the same. God is still good. How many know he's still good? Oh, yes, he is. He's still good. He's good all the time. He's good in the crisis. He's good when it's over. He's good when you're struggling. He's good when you're up. He's good when you're down. God is always good. Press on, church. Press, press, press. Press. Can somebody shout with me? Press. You got to press here. I'm going to say this and sit down. And I'm, I'm not going to holler this part because I believe this is so important. We have leaders in this house that have stuck with the vision. They've stuck with it. They haven't budged. Glory to God. They are after something. Just like Paul said here in Philippians 3. They're after the thing that has grasped, that has attained, that has arrested them. Our bishop and Dr. Cheryl. They are after the thing, glory to God, that has captured them. But saints of God, I encourage you, I adjure adjure you, I beg you, I plead with you, get a hold of the vision, amen. Yes, I know it's been rough, I know it's been three months uh, since we've been apart, but glory to God, now it's over in the spirit realm, I said it's over, I know they still got rules and regulations, uh, but the devil is a liar, amen. Don't let the distractions fool you, don't let the changes fool you. Don't let the reports fool you. Don't let the fake news fool you. Press! Because we got leaders that are still on the wall. And it's time now. I said it's time now. Come on, it's time now. I know folk are watching me and you're scared to get out of the house. Listen, it's time now. It's time to come out of hiding. It's time to come out of the house. It's time to come out of your safety zone. It's time to come out of comfortability. It's time to get out of the boat and walk on the water. It's time, it's time, it's time. Get up and press on. Press through. Glory to God. Because this world is not our home. Come on, we're journeying through here. This is not the final resting place heaven awaits us and until we get to heaven we gotta work we gotta serve and we gotta press come on and shout with me again press on praise the lord hallelujah says it's time to press on well i'm just so excited because god is good and I'm excited because Bishop, Dr. Jerry, amen, you're in it to win it. And I'm just so excited. 
hallelujah, glory to God, that you are pressing forward and you continue to go forward towards the mark for the prize of the high calling, which is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And first of all, hallelujah, just want to thank God who is my father, who is our father. Come on, put your hands together for our heavenly father, God himself. And then, hallelujah, we want again, I know that some folks struggle when we just honor men of God. Well, just because there are some men and women of God who are misrepresented and took advantage of the people, don't mean that every man of God should not be honored. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that they are worthy of double honor. So if you would just stand up, come on. I said, come on, stand up and say, God, thank you that you are my father and you love me so much that you bless me with this, Dr. Jerry, a representation of who you are, father, in Jesus' name. Put your hands together for our bishop. Uh-huh. Because you got to read the whole Bible, right? You know, when you read the whole Bible, you know what the Bible says. Amen. Well, guess what? Dr. Scott, I'm so glad that you came up first. I would have been glad if you came up second. It wouldn't matter. But, but <laughs> amen. We, we're going to be talking about healing today. And if you are in this house and you have need of healing, I don't want you to wait. Our custom is to wait until after the messages are over. But I don't want you to wait until after the message is over because there are scriptures in the Bible that says, and as they spoke. Uh-huh. So while we've been speaking, that's when you can reach out and grab what belongs to you. I'm trying to tell you that the healer is in the house. First of all, the healer is in you. Uh-huh. Christ in you, the hope of glory, but Christ in you, healer. You don't have to go outside. The healer lives in you. And all I get to do, all we get to do, is stir up the gift of health and healing that lives on the inside of you already. I don't want you to wait because there was a season in my life probably when I was in college or whatever. I remember going to see Kenneth Hagen and uh, somewhere downtown. And he wasn't necessarily even teaching about healing. But what happened is that just because he was there and because he's associated with being a vessel of God to heal the sick, people was waiting to be healed. Well, he finished saying whatever he was saying and then he was gone. And as we were dismissed, I saw this woman and she had her baby in a stroller and she was running after him and she was running because she's a mama and she wants her baby to be made whole. And she ran, but he didn't hear her. And he ended up going on off the scene. And I watched the disappointment in her face. And I was like, oh my God. And I decided then that your confidence has to be in the God of the man who is a healer. It's understandable that God used people. He, he has put gifts in the body. The Bible says that God wanted healing so much until in the body, the Bible says he set 
healing, the gifts of healing in the body. And so I want you to know that your faith is in him who is your healer. And so in Mark, the second chapter, and I'm going to read the Amplified Bible. And it's talking about the paralytic or the person that was healed. Listen, before I got up here, Bishop, my heart started palpitating, right? I'm like, what's wrong with my heart? <laughs> what's going on? It was like, oh, you're about to preach about healing, so this is going to tap. And I'm sitting there trying to quiet my heart down. I'm like, what's going on? And so then the Lord let me know that what's happening in my heart was prophetic that God wants to heal hearts today. Uh-huh. And so if you have a heart condition, let not your heart be troubled. You talk to your heart and say, you better stop being troubled. I'm going to believe God. Let not your heart be troubled. You got to speak to your heart. Who's that said, Dr. Tom? Said Dr. Simon. Or somebody said, oh, Dr. Tom. That uh, sometimes the hardest person to lead is yourself. And you got to speak to yourself, your body. So if you got a heart condition, just say I'm whole. Oh, y'all sounded like you had a heart trouble. Say, I'm whole. And Mark, the second chapter, the first verse says, Jesus returned to Capernaum. And a few days later, the good news went out that he was at home. Capernaum became Jesus' sort of headquarters after Nazareth kind of rejected him. So Capernaum was that place. And so here Jesus come back again in the first chapter. He was already there. And uh, he had healed some folk and done all kind of things. And so here he is. He done come back home to heal. Amen. And so in verse 2 it said, so many people gathered. Now they've heard and they hear that the healer's in the house. So many people came together that there was no longer room for them. Not even near the door. And Jesus was was discussing with them or the King James says he was teaching the word I'm trying to tell you I don't care how many people that you've heard that they got healed I don't care how many people have crowded the Lord it has nothing to do with you coming to the Lord and believing God that he will not leave you out Sometimes it concerns too many people. You know, I've heard people tell me, I don't want to bother God with that. He got too much else going on. Come on now. If you're a father or a mother, you don't care who coming up to you. And when your child come to you, you be like, hey, I don't know who y'all is, but my child is here. Listen, the same Jesus who went about doing good and healing all that won't press of the devil is alive. He is here today to heal, not, not to heal you, because he already did that before the foundation of the world. And then he came and confirmed that and did the work that was happening in the, before the foundation of the world. He came and solidified it and did it in the earth on the cross. So no matter how long your history is, no matter how long you've been wrestling with that sickness, hallelujah, glory to God. God knows and he's here. Somebody say the healer is in me. He's in the room. Hallelujah. I don't know how many people are in here, but it don't stop Jesus from manifesting his healing in you. And so the first thing you want to do is include yourself in the people, amen, that came and come to Jesus for the manifestation of their healing. Verse 3, then they came, bringing him a paralyzed man, and he was being carried by four men. Now the number four, Hebraically speaking, uh, the number there is a symbol of a door. 
So we want you to know that no matter what's going on, no matter how long the pain, the ache, the condition, the diagnosis, Jesus is the door out of it. Hallelujah. Verse 4. When they were unable to get to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above Jesus. And then they dug out an opening. They let down the man on the mat. Uh Uh-huh. On the mat he was laying on. The second thing I want you to, I want to ask you this question. It says that they removed the roof above Jesus. And when I first started thinking about that, I'm like, well, Jesus seated in the heavenly places. There's nothing above him in our time. But you know the Holy Ghost said? That as much as that is true, there are some of us who really have put our sickness above Jesus. It said that they they removed the roof that was above him. That as much as Jesus is Savior, as much as he is Lord, as much as he is Redeemer, there are some of us who have put our sickness over Jesus. We put the doctor's diagnosis over Jesus. We put our experience over Jesus. There's nothing wrong with going to doctors. Come on here. Because doctors are an extension of God's hand. But some of us have put the doctor's report above Jesus. Whatever you got above Jesus, it's time for you, if you don't have the strength, to get some people to help you. Amen. Glory to God. Some of us got strongholds and philosophies. Some of us got pain. Some of us got unforgiveness above Jesus. You got to tear that thing off. Get rid of it. Get rid of the doubt that you put over Jesus above him. Get rid of the unbelief in the name of Jesus. Come on, say healer is in the house and he lives in me. And I'm about to receive the manifestation of what Jesus paid the price to redeem me from. We already dealt with your soul. Now, how many know that Psalm 103, 1, 2, 3 says, Bless the Lord of my soul and forget not all his benefits who forgiveth all my iniquities and healeth all my diseases. Do you see how forgiveness and healing work together? You're forgiven. And then, so I want to tell you again, because I can't stay here long. Get rid of this stuff. It said they had to dig out an opening. You know, your stuff will crowd you. Your stuff will mess you up. Your philosophy. Some of us, we just know too much. You ever try praying for somebody I have, and they want to give me a long history of, of the, and testify about their sickness. And I'm trying to tell them about he who is greater. Go ahead, tell me about your sickness. But I want you to give me ten times more about Jesus who's able to heal you, deliver you, and set you free. Because nobody lived your history. But I'm telling you that before the foundation of the world, it's the greatest history you can ever come across. And he says, and when Jesus saw their faith, uh, Dr. Scott said, what, what, what are we expecting? When Jesus, listen, some of us, it takes faith to get up every day when you're going through Some of us, it takes faith to go to work. Some of us, it takes some strength, amen, to keep on going to the doctor. Some of us, it takes some strength to just take the medication. Some of us, we so tired of going to doctors, amen. So I honor you for your strength. But I want you to know that today Jesus says that I am your covenant God. And I am the Lord God that healeth thee. 
And I like how the word says he left, E-T-H. Uh, yes, he did. Glory to God by his stripes we are healed. Hallelujah. And glory to God by his stripes we were healed. That means it was already taken care of. And, but the word says he is the Lord God that healeth us. So if you, he healed you and you got a right now condition, he'll do it right now in Jesus' name. Can Jesus see your faith in him? That's all I'm going to say. And let me just stop right here. I have to do the rest of this later. It says that, that, that he saw. And sometimes we don't have a crowd of people that's keeping us from Jesus. But, but, but some of us, we have some other things that's crowding us and keeping us away from what God has for us. And so the season and the hour has come. Amen. To say this, that whatever is crowding you, whoever is crowding you, sometimes you just got to shut down what people are saying. You got to shut it down. You got to close the door. You got to put them on mute. You, you, you got to, amen, put them on hold. You got to shut it down. They, 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 they know what they're saying, but you're trying to get above that. Because you got what they're saying above the healer. Amen. And so you got to say, I know what you're saying. I heard what you're saying. But I'm trying to get a manifestation of what Jesus already paid the price for. So in the name of Jesus, right now, lift your hands up. Lift your hands up. And especially those of you that are sick in your body. I, I don't want you to be passive. You say, well, I ain't sick in my body. Well, lift your hands up. You're sick in your mind. Amen. Glory to God. Lift your hands up if you're sick and tired. Amen. Glory to God in the highest. Just lift them up. Lift your hands up if you know somebody else and you're standing in the gap for them to be made well. But I want you to look to him. You know what I like about the scripture where the man said he was trying to get in the pool and somebody came before him? Is that Jesus came to him personally. So Jesus is here. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to see Jesus healer come to you. Right now. And I don't want you to be passive about it. Oh, that's so nice. Jesus came to me. I want you to take. These people were so desperate that they took the, the stuff off the roof. How desperate are you? Not to beg God and convince him, but that you are not leaving that seat the same. In Jesus' name, God, I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your power. I thank you right now. That you want me to receive the manifestation. You're not against my heart being well. You're not against my kidneys being well. You're not against my lungs being well. You're for me. You came to set my blood free. And I'm telling you to take it. I'm not actually, you know, oh, that's a that can you pray for me? No. You take it in the name of Jesus. Because not only are you prophetic, but you have power and you have authority in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And God, we bless you for it. Come on, I, I, didn't, I didn't feel nobody really take that healing. You know, I can feel that thing. Yeah, take it. I want you to take that thing and declare I'm not the same in Jesus' name. You need to speak to that condition right now. You speak to it and tell them that Jesus is Lord of your body and he's made you, amen, glory to God, to take authority over your own city. And we kicking flies out, we kicking rodents out, we kicking whatever's in there out. And Father, I pray that the Jesus that we know of 
Go in as you're in our body. Drive out the money changers. That which is in us, God, exchanging our strength. Hallelujah. Taking away your glory for these conditions. If you believe it, come on, say, I receive it. It's mine. I am made whole because Jesus already paid the price. Hallelujah. Come on, Dr. Simon. Are you coming back? Come on. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a praise. Let's stand up and give him a praise. <clears throat> Father, we are so grateful for the power of your word. We thank you, Father, for the speakers who delivered that which you put upon their hearts. Father, we receive, and say this with me, I receive, I receive. that which was delivered. It is my portion. It is my healing. It is my faith, it is my vision that I receive from you. In Jesus' name, you can be seated. <clears throat> I want to take up a happy Father's Day offering, a happy Father's Day to our Heavenly Father. Our happy Father's Day offering to our Heavenly Father, our happy Father's Day offering to our Earthly Father, and our happy birthday offering. Amen? Amen. I bet you didn't know that, that this was part of Bishop's birthday offering. Amen? So if you have checks, please make them available or payable to ECC. There are credit card envelopes in the back. There are cash envelopes. Please fill them out so you get a, a tax donation. Let's just take a minute and do that. And as you are, I'm going to pray over this offering. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the power and the authority of the word that you gave us. We thank you, Father, for the power and the authority of the spirit that you gave us. We thank you, Lord, that by your stripes we are healed. By your, by your stripes we are whole. That no sickness, no disease can come against us. The Father, you increase our vision, that you increase our faith. The Father, you teach us and that you help us not to get distracted. To always keep Jesus first. To press on to God, to press into God. And Father, we thank you that we can build and plant that which is your word in this season. So Father, you call us into your vineyard and that which we go about joyfully, Father, doing according to your kingdom. So Father, we ask that you would bless the gift, bless the giver, Father, Lord, that we may bless you and we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. There are lots of hand sanitizer and wipes and hand alcohol available throughout the building. Please make uh uh, may be available of that uh, yes bring up your offerings maintain social distancing people but please go to Bishop and say happy Father's Day and happy birthday Bishop other than that God bless enjoy your evening or enjoy your day and come on back tonight for the same speakers amen